Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. Hi, it's Marsha. We've got a great show today, Tim Aarons and Fran Lewis, and a um, lot to talk about. Uh, this is the last show for a few weeks. I'm going uh, to try to finish my book that I barely started, but we'll see if I can do that. And... Uh, in quiet, maybe. I don't know. Or I may end up doing a show. I'm not exactly sure yet. But anyway, they will tell a little bit, tell you a little bit about themselves. But um, I have to just uh, mention that I will be doing an article for the EYS magazine, um, Powering Your Soul. I will be doing that starting, I think, the, ne- the next issue. We're going to talk about COVID, and I've got several interviews from people in different parts of the country, uh, well, actually different parts of USA, talking a little bit about how the community and how they handled COVID. And most of us know that COVID is still here. So um, if you haven't gotten a shot, get your shot, wear your mask, because I think it's coming back. President Biden has COVID. And so I think it'll bring it a little out a little, even with the shots and, you know, mask. Well, he hasn't been masking because most people aren't masking. So we all know it's here, and so that's why I'll be having that story because globally it's happening, and we don't always hear it so much, but the magazine is a global magazine, and um, I'm in groups, and so sometimes when I see the groups, this one says, oh, I have COVID today, I have COVID today, so it's global. But anyway, that should be an interesting, you know, article because it's just from everybody's perspective of how their areas handled it. And so that's it. So that will probably be out in September, I would assume. So now I'm going to let Tim and Fran both tell you a little bit about themselves. Um, I met Tim from Fran, so let Fran go first. <laughs> oh, gee, hi. <laughs> well, I'm Fran Lewis. I'm a reading and writing specialist, they told me. And I'm the host of MJ Network, and I am a horror writer and a regular YA writer. Um, My Faces Behind the Stone series is is what I'm writing, working on now, and I'm working on the second Sisters 2, which is uh, two stories about growing up with my wacky sister in the Bronx before she died. So that was a lot of fun, and I do reviews for just reviews, and I only write positive ones, as Tim and Marcia know. Yes, right, because, right, you know, the last thing someone needs is a very bad review, you know. Tell me um, about it. Better not to write the review than say it, because not everybody likes the same kind of books. Okay, Tim, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Tim Ahrens. I am the author of Dark Creatures, the Dark Creatures series, as long as, along with The Salvation of Tang Legal, which are my first three books. I'm a dark horror writer. Um, I am also a... a put my book up for the Bram Stoker Award this year, so if you're interested in that, please um, look into that and uh, vote for me if you can. Otherwise, um, I've just been out trying to sell my latest book, Dark Creatures, The Grand Game. Which is, is, it's very difficult for everybody, you know, to find their own audience to sell books. And uh, we'll talk about that a little later, you know, marketing and all, but, you know, I mean, so you're on KDP. Are you happy Correct. with the way things are going on KGP for you? Well, I, I do sell through other places because I went and I self-published through, um, through Atmosphere. Uh-huh. And they place the book not only in KDP but also in Barnes & Noble and several other venues. Um, so my book does get out there to places besides Amazon. Um, 
as as far as sales go, um, Amazon is, is is more convenient as far as you know they'll sell the book for you and they'll they'll dividend they'll sell right. the uh, yeah. the dividends yeah. and stuff like that. You don't have to deal with any of yeah. that. Um, but as far as advertising goes, I don't know. I mean, um, as I, I get more movement on my book by by the, using my own efforts to advertise them than I do using yeah. Amazon. Yeah, it's it's difficult. You know, it's difficult. And uh, so I, you know, let's talk about you know we'll go back to marketing, but let's talk about making characters that are dark. You know, because that's a whole different audience that we other than that we sweet romance or things like that. So, Fran, when you do that, tell us a little bit how you develop characters and well, figure, out, figure out their names. Figure out their names also. Well, names are hard, so sometimes I get some help from my nephews, whatever. But Faces Behind the Stone started when my sister died, and I went to the cemetery, and I looked at her stone, and I go, how did you get there? What really happened that day that you had your heart attack? And then I walked around to all the other stones that I never, people I never knew. I said, Mr. So-and-so, how come you died? How yeah. come you died? What happened to you? And then I said, you know what? There was a teacher in my school that was wrongly accused. So she's the first story in the book. And I let her talk. And I changed her name to Virginia, but her real name is Viola. Um... The, the stories and faces behind the stone, four of them are true. And one of them is my sister's story that nobody knows I wrote. I changed her name to, to somebody else. I used my hairdresser as her husband, and I used my manicurist as her. I had permission to do that. And right. it's The hardest thing is to, is to get people to read it. And when they read it, they were like, those four of those stories actually happened, and three of them I made up. In Silent Voices, I was my grandmother. My grandmother and my other grandmother stories uh, in the in the concentration camps and whatever. You're right, it's the hardest thing to get somebody that's really, really dark because I just had to sort of make it up. But as I walked through the cemetery, it just came to me. Yeah. Now, wouldn't it be fun to write from the point of view of the dead person telling what happened to them or what they did that was wrong? It, it was not easy. No, right. Right, because I mean, look, I mean, that is a thought, you know, to what happened to people. You know, sometimes you just never know. You know, I I think I mentioned this on a show I was uh, that I had a few weeks ago. I was talking about that people that are in, you know, in a lot of people that have had dementia uh, in nursing homes Mm -hmm. and or with caregivers. Sometimes uh, the at the funeral, some of the caregivers came, and the nurses would come to the funeral mm-hmm. to see what the person was like, because then people were talking about them, and they only saw them at that point in their life. But there's so much more, as you know, you have a mother that, you know, suffered from that, but that's what happens. You don't know what that person really went through in their life, and you don't know that person. So, I, you know, when someone dies, sometimes we really don't know that much about them until other people no, tell us. Yeah. You know, that's that's what happens. You just don't. So, you know, and I think people are curious, you know, and everybody does have, regardless of what we all think, we all have our own story, good or bad. We, you know, we have one, you know. So, uh, all right, Tim, how do you feel about that, developing, you know, names and developing your characters? Characters are my thing. So um, uh, basically I can build a character from the ground up. Um, I'll design the the world that they're supposed to be living in based off the story I'm going to write. So if it's dark fantasy, um, it'll be a very you know dark and, and um, creepy type world. Science fiction is the same way. Fantasy, straight fantasy would be the same way. Um, modern, as I said, the same thing. I just design, I, I, I envision the world that these people live in. And then I designed the uh, the profession that they're starting the story out in, so that I can put a a um, kind of a, a spin on who they, what what type of job they do, what type of, of person they are, and then I'll put a personality to that, and then I'll design what they look like after that. I build all that um, before I even start writing, but it doesn't really take me very long because um, originally, when I was very young, when I was about 14, I started playing a game, a little known game at that point called Dungeons and Dragons. 
yeah. but taught me how oh. to do all of that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. Once I got Little all did that you know built, you'd be writing. Little did you know probably. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what started me writing in the first place with that game. Um, and once I got that all built, um, like say for instance, Dark Creatures, the Dark Creatures series is a dark fantasy series about um, two individuals who are being played with by gods that have been long forgotten to history. Um, but little do they know that the game they think they're playing on a 9-bit screen is actually a living world itself that they're playing with. <laughs> wait, wait, which, but, which is, you know, people do play a lot of games, you know, in real oh, life. Yeah, yeah. You don't always um, know who they are or what, they, what they're made of, you know. And oh, yeah. some people like that game. They like the game. Mm-hmm. And I got um and as far as names go, that's how I build a character in a set of a, a situation. Names, on the other hand, um, I usually just look around the room um, and pick things out. Like um, I have a character in a short story I wrote with a good friend of mine um, called To Die Well, where I, I, we named a, a female knight called Rayla. Well, well, La is is basically from a a, um, a character uh, of how would I put it? An elven character that 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 they use in Edge of Dragons as law, and uh, Ray came from a railback battery. <laughs> so I usually just kind of yeah. look around the room and pick out names, you know, take out half names here or half names there from titles or something like that, and then I'll just weave them into a into a name that way. Now, can you change a name when you, like, I know if I make a character and I change a name, it's very difficult for me. I can't, I, I can't seem to do that because once they become real, I have a very hard time changing their name. Oh yeah, I never, I never change a name once I've, once I've, I've said it in okay. the tone and the characters, characters written into the book. Um, I don't write experimental names. I usually go with a name I decide to choose from in the beginning. Okay, like Fran, Fran, how about you? Do you ever change a name, or I like you know, to change my name sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, um, we all, we all. <laughs> I know. No, I changed. I didn't change the name. I changed. I changed the person's real name when I wrote the story. But yeah. before she died, uh, my friend Viola, I asked her if she would mind if I wrote her story because she was wrongly accused by an incompetent principal that was part of the reason I retired. And I said, I wanted everybody to know that everything that this principal said about her was a lie. So the principal's name, I actually used the real one because I didn't care. And I changed her name to Virginia Green instead of Viola Bowman. And I did, right before she died, she committed suicide after all the things that... She she was accused of um, drinking in class. I was the principal at the end of the day, so I was around with ten people, and I was around her room. You know, every couple of minutes, she never did anything wrong. She said she was drunk. She said she was ever. The truth of the matter is, is that she wanted her to get blamed for something that she never did. She told everybody in the third grade that the teachers, when they were giving the reading test, had to read the test to the to the children, so they would cheat, so they would pass, and she refused to do it. She accused her her about, there's a lot of things that happened in my school that people don't know. And when she came in, Viola had, I knew when I retired, she called me and said, this is what's happening now on first grade. I felt my heart broke. So I felt writing her story was was one thing. Um, The other names in this story uh, was my, changed my sister's name to Myrtle. And I changed um, my hairdresser, Tony, said it was okay to use him as the bad guy. So, and I didn't change them in the book, but as far as changing them in real life so nobody would know it was them, yeah, except the principal had to be real. Yeah, I, I think, right, you know, but it is, yeah, names are very difficult, you know, to yeah. uh, to pick, you know, and I, I didn't even realize things that I did that people have mentioned because I didn't realize, because I used to write screenplays, so I every screenplay was different than the other, but sometimes I guess I used the same name, and people have mentioned to me, you, I used the same name a lot, and I realized, yes, I do. And I didn't realize it as much because it was just different span of time when I wrote it, and it's just, I guess, who I saw 
when I have the character is that name for me. And it's very, it's, it's harder. It gets harder as I keep writing things because I tend to realize what I did more and I shouldn't have done that. Because it does get confusing if you use the same name for different books. You know. Oh, definitely. And um, yeah, you know, and I and I also didn't realize a lot of times that some of my screenplays had uh, hospital scenes. I did work for doctors for over 25 years, so and I was in hospitals, labs, and I never realized that that they all somehow had something to do medically. Either one person was a doctor, but sometimes you just do stuff and you're not even thinking about. The things you do, you just write the story. And then sometimes later you go, oh, I think I did that. Cause I didn't even know I was doing it because I'm just, you're so busy writing the story, sometimes you don't think, like I know I didn't, and I'd like to know how both of you feel if you confuse. I just can't, for me it's difficult to write two things at one time. How about you, Tim? Um, it's, well, it's, it's my genre allows me to, um, to separate um, situations so vastly differently. Um, like for instance, um, I'm writing Dark Creatures um, Worlds Unending, which is a new book I'm, I'm working on now. And I also have a second book along the Dark Creatures series, but not connected to this series that I'm working on. But both scenarios are so separately different that um, I don't get confused very easily because it's, you know, it's, as I said, they're extremely different setups. Right. Um, uh, yeah, usually I won't get confused. On, on, a, on a story like that because, I, as I said, I've built everything up from, from the ground up as to what I want to do and who is who. Um, the, the fun thing with my stuff is that you, when you read it, you'll find Easter eggs um, littered throughout the entire story. Like um, one of my characters is named Augury Parse. Well, Augury is also a funeral name. <laughs> it's uh, a okay. burial site. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow. Stuff like that. So... You know, do, you, do you, how do you get to the game? I mean, how do you decide in your uh, head what game you want to play? Well, that was easy. I, I started out with Dungeons and Dragons, so that's what I based my game off of, and that's what a lot of the fantasy genre these days are even based off of is the original Gygax game, Dungeons and Dragons, um, ESO, Elder Scrolls Online, um, a lot, um, World of Warcraft. A lot of that stuff is all built off of the the groundwork that Gygax put forward in Dungeons and Dragons. So I just used that um, framework of that, that particular role-playing game, um, and then I put it in the scenario that you're not playing with just imaginary characters. You're actually playing with real lives. And you actually have the gods who are doing this actually have the power to play with those lives. Um, they just have to be careful on the scope of, of how they play with them because there are larger powers in the universe who look down on that when, when, if, if, they're, yeah. if they're noticed. <laughs> Yeah, well, right, right. So I, you know, because I think you know, people do play games a lot. Like Fran, when you when you're reading sci-fi, do you read a lot of sci-fi, Fran, or or yeah, I do. Because does it come your way? Is Isabella Blackthorn, Blackberry Toys, sends me horror and sci-fi. As a matter of fact, it's really weird because they put out the you know the tour, and they'll go, sorry, can't do it because you don't have a print copy. And they said, well, for you, we'll make an exception. I go, gee, thank you so much. They they do, yeah, yeah, I do. But Tim, tell me something. I I read both of his books, by the way. And the first one is really good. The second one's good. Yeah, I know. I read your reviews. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how did you decide to put the the, the players, how did you decide how they were going to play the game? And the two people playing, I was like, oh, my God, this is scary. It was scary. Uh. Um, well, I, I originally decided I was going to have gods that no one thinks about anymore play with people's lives. I, I came up with that. That was based fun. Off, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> based <laughs> off a, um, the premise was based off an old 1960s movie. It's Jason the Argonauts. I don't know if you've ever saw it or not. Um, and in that movie, um, Zeus and Hera are playing with Jason in order to get the Golden Fleece. Mm. So I took that, that particular framework and I said, well, you know, why don't we have, him, have that transferred over to other gods that don't really get noticed or, or mentioned, and then have them play with a small, really, really small scale of good versus evil from one person to the other. And then, of course, when I was designing the story, I started playing um, Elder Scrolls Online, which is a video game, um, D&D-type video game. 
And, um, and I started thinking to myself, well, what if the, the character on the screen that I'm playing actually is a living individual? I'm just directing them to, to through this, these mm-hmm. scenarios. Well, well, then I just added that into the storyline and made it one great, big, huge saga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, uh, you met, well, before the show, we were talking about um, uh, Twilight Zone. So, I mean, it, it's, it's you know, what keeps it alive now, Twilight Zone, is that, you know, it's on cable. So people can now watch, you know, Twilight Zone and all the different facets of it because there were, I mean, I don't know how many years it was on. It was probably on for a very long time. So I assume it was weekly. I'm not sure. I don't really know about that. I think it might have been weekly. But, um, yeah, because they didn't have series at that Yeah, originally but, and it was were, weekly. And then black and white, mm-hmm. right? Black and white? Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, because they were so strange, but people, that was so, like, such a big time for a series like that, I mean, you know, for a show, uh, he had such a different mind. So, we, you know, when people read, you know, watch these things now, I mean, it, it's so, some of the stuff is realistic now, but then it was so over the top. I think when people watch them now, you know, they take it more like, well, it could maybe happen. Who knows? But then I think I'm pretty sure people might have, this was so far removed from what life was then. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of his stories, I think a lot of his stories were moral based and he just used science fiction and fantasy and and Mm -hmm. horror in, in order to mask the moral compass he was making so that people would learn. Um, yeah. It's kind of like what Mel Brooks said once when he was asked about To Be or Not To Be, the, sh- the movie he made. Um, right. He wondered uh, why he made such a serious movie into a comedy. Right, right. And, yeah. and Brooks pointed out that the moment you an audience learns you're, they're being taught something, they'll turn it off. Right, that's but true. But if, yeah. if you can tell a story and not make them, let them right. realize they're being taught anything, by the end of the film, they'll start wondering about stuff and learn themselves. Right. Yeah, I think that that is true though. Because sometimes I'm reading, I'm watching something now, and I will think that of some of the shows that I watch because they deal with issues in a way that people will watch it, whereas they're not getting the lesson that they don't want to hear because they don't want a lesson. But yeah, people don't want they, to be preached to. No, they really don't. But you know, um, Twilight Zone was such a different. You know, I think you know. Remember the movie Twilight Zone? I think there were three mm-hmm. stories in it or four. I mean, mm-hmm. there was, re- you know, and I think there was a death also, I think, when they were filming it. I'm not sure. Was there? I think there was. That was the original. Yeah, that was the original Twilight yeah, Zone movie. There was a death on right. it. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah I kind of remember hearing about that. Yeah, the death. You know, because, you know, and it, it is amazing, though, you know, now with how they do a lot of these. Well, some of it's done, you know, digitally and whatever, but some of the stuff is pretty dangerous that could happen to people, you know. It's it's pretty brave for some people to go and do some things that are quite unique. And well, it, they could be injured. That's true, Marsha, but but if you look at it nowadays with, with all the um, insurance um, stuff that's going on and, and um, yeah. the safety stuff that they have, uh, it's a lot actually safer than it was in the 50s and the 40s. Um, uh, even in the 70s, for instance, uh, there's a good example of uh, Michelle Yeoh, who was an action, uh, a um, uh, Korean action actress. She's still an actress in the States these days. But in the 70s, she did a, um, a stunt um, for one of her movies where she was riding a dirt bike or a motorcycle up a dirt ramp onto, a moving, onto the top of a moving train. And she did all that without a safety harness because they didn't have safety harnesses. Right, like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, they never let anyone do anything like that nowadays. Not with all the um, the insurance li- well, litigation. Well, because they get a lawsuit, they get a very big yeah. lawsuit too. You know, I mean, that you know, and you know, and and there is a lot of precaution on sets. You know, I mean, because when you think of all the movies and all the you know different series and how many very intense scenes there are, that it is kind of amazing that it all goes well. Because they're very dark, dark thrillers that could go bad, you know, at some of the stuff that they do. Luckily, we don't hear about that too much. 
But I think, um, like in, you, go ahead. Oh no no no! I was, you, I was I was just saying um, no. It's it's true as I said. And with all with the, with the world of CGI and stuff like that, though, um, I don't know if as I said, I'm, I don't know if it's as dangerous as it used to be. I mean, I, I, the accidents can always happen on a, on a set, no matter yeah. where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. But with the with the age of CGI, um, even um, a lot of the explosions you see these days um, just don't happen in real life. Um, I. I think that the last movie I heard where there was any real dangerous explosion, now I, I could be wrong, mind you, because there could have been other ones since then, was um, Rodriguez's um, movie. Uh, oh, shoot, now I forgot the name of the title of it. <laughs> oh, the brother, the bro- when they did the, the, you mean the first one they did with Aunt, um, the one of the, with Selma Hayek, you mean, that one? Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That one was a that one had some real dynamite explosions and stuff like that. These days, they they tend to CGI all that stuff in, so it's safer for the actors. Yeah, because yeah, remember how they? I think I, I think I remember, I think hearing that that particular film, I, you know, um, was they didn't have money to do the film. I think, and so I think they used a lot of charge cards. I, I do think I remember hearing that where they, you know, they. <laughs> Put everything on cards. Everything they they had no money. The Rodriguez, you know, they didn't. You know, and when they did that, there was a lot of stars that launched their career. And mm-hmm. uh, I think Antonio Banderas was in that one. I think. And yeah, Selma Hayek, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that was you know right. It was kind of a it was an it was a different movie for its time. You know, it was definitely what, a different movie. <laughs> yeah, and they look how successful they became mm-hmm. afterwards. You know, all of them. You know, and they weren't so, that so successful. So, Fran, how do, how do you design, or not design, but um, how do you decide what type of genre you, you, um, you've decided to, uh, to, to see if you're going to start a new project? How would you decide what new project you want to work on? That's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- I was interviewed on Monday night by Dr. Maxine Thompson, and I, write, I like writing, you know, stories about myself and my sister, that's how I started the Bertha series. And the Bertha series started because my sister told me that I look like my grandmother who never smiled, and I was fat. I'm not, any, I'm not anymore. I'm 106 pounds, but I was 190 pounds. She said, wow. you're becoming couch potato. You remind me of Bertha. And, my little, and I said to her, well, you remind me of Aunt Tilly. She was a spoiled brat. <laughs> Out of nowhere, yeah. my nephew, who, who's 22 now, said, you're Bertha, you're Tilly, why don't you write about it? I looked at my sister and I said, you're in big trouble because I did write it. And right. you know what, I didn't ever realize something? When I wrote the stories, I never realized just how tough my mother was. And then when my sister died, I decided I would try to write horror. I still don't know. I'm not anywhere near like you are. I mean, seriously? Um, the, the grand game scared the daylights out of me with those players. Oh, thank seriously. you. <laughs> well, you well, you're really right, scared. You're, you're, writing, ending, about you're writing about people. You're writing about people. I know going to write a sequel to, to scare me anyway. But, yeah, Faces Behind the Stone came with silent voices. It's just people that were silent, that whose voices were never heard, ever. And Population Zero came out of nowhere, Tim. It came out of, I walked around, took a walk one day, and people around here are really nasty. So I said, oh. what would you do if you lived in a world with no sun, darkness, clouds, ice, whatever, all desert, no water? What would you do if you lived in that kind of world? So I created a dead person to come back and explain it. I said, yeah. I figured maybe after they heard what the dead person said about living in those worlds, they would be nicer in this one. They didn't get it. <laughs> some people thought it wow. was great, and some people said, I didn't quite get it. Well, then obviously you're... Don't get the point of trying well, to be nice. Well, that's the other thing. See, that's one of the yeah. things, though, that's bad about when people. I mean, you're a reviewer, and you know yep. when people don't understand the book, oh yeah, or <laughs> don't even like sci-fi, they don't like horror. Why would they well, even pick yeah. the book to read and give it? A, yeah. It's so not fair for somebody to pick up a book that, and they don't. They'll say like, I don't like horror, I don't like sci-fi. Then don't review it. It's not Yeah, fair. I completely agree with, with that. I don't understand why a reviewer, mm-hmm. unless they need the money and they're being paid for it, uh, yeah, um, which happens occasionally. I don't really yes. believe mm-hmm. that, a, that a, a, a reviewer, if he, if he doesn't like for I have a friend who writes um, in, um, kai, in the kaiju market or Godzilla stuff, um, uh, monsters. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if the first thing he asks the reviewer before he sends before he sends the book out is, do you you know do you like the the genre or do you at least read something in the genre? Because um, if you're not interested in the genre, I'm not going to send you the book because you're not going to want you're not going to like the book. <laughs> you're not going to like the book. Right. Why would you, why well, would you read review something like that? There are people that go on Amazon because they're nasty, and they'll just review the book, but they're not reviewers. I often wonder who asks them or bribes them to do it. I mean, yeah. I've gotten once or twice where, oh, I hated the book. You shouldn't read it. I didn't answer the person. Definitely this right. person's a troll, and I didn't send the book. They actually bought it on um, Kindle oh. or whatever, because when you go yeah. on a certain tours, you don't know who's going to read whatever. Oh, well. And the person, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, you don't know who your readers are. Too yeah. Bad. yeah. I mean, some, yeah, most of the time you don't know who your reviewers are. That's the thing. I was on a show earlier this week, Everyday People, um, with BJ. And uh, he mentioned, um, and we both talked about this too, is the fact that you really got to develop a thick skin if you want to be a writer. If you want to be a writer oh, in the yeah. long haul, I should say. Yeah, yeah. There will always be true. editors or people out there who either don't get your stuff or they want to put their mm-hmm. own spin on it, so they'll reject it because they didn't put, you didn't put the spin on it they thought it should have. <laughs> stuff like that. Right, well, you know, I was a literary agent for 20 years and uh, only took new clients. And, but... People, they would say, you know, because right now sci-fi horror is very popular, but it wasn't popular, and they didn't even, they would not even look at a book that was sci-fi mm. or horror. And, you know, then everything changed because of e-books and everything, and it made it more accessible. But the libraries I used to go, because I used to like to look through libraries, you know, being an, I just like to, you know, I did, a lot of people did that years ago. You just go and you look at different books, and, you know, I used to take out, like, if I'm looking at children's, I'd take 20 books, put it down, just look through them. And, but I think, you know, this is what people did then, you know, because they didn't have it online. But there was so the sections were small, unlike sci-fi, and now it's huge market, and horror is a huge market. But it wasn't, yeah, you, and especially you when can think, with screenplays. Yeah, you can thank Peter Straub and Stephen King and people like that who blazed the trail for that sort of thing. If King, for instance, yeah. had been around to create such a fury of, of from his books, yeah. you probably wouldn't see the larger section of, of horror you see now. That's probably true, right? Yeah. Well, he never expected to be as popular as he was. See, that's the whole thing. That's the one thing. If somebody has a story, they should write it because Definitely. you can't. You nobody ever knows if it's going to be a success or not. You just don't know. I mean, sometimes a little book comes out, like let's say Bridges of Madison. It was a tiny, small book, and then it was on the bestseller list forever and ever and ever. And then it was a movie. So sometimes if a book is small. That doesn't mean it's not good. It's just concise. It's edited out mm-hmm. all the other stuff. And that book can actually be a movie or do very well, you know, win awards. So it isn't about the word count. It's just about the content. Oh, so if you yeah. have a story and you don't think it's a 400-page book, don't make it a 400-page oh, book. Oh, please don't. Because, <laughs> right, right, Fran, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes they add such fillers. It's like they ruin the good story, and by putting stuff in that doesn't belong. Fran, how do you're you feel so about right. that when you're reading a book? When you're reading a book, what happens when you see that? When you see that? Well, I did. That, yeah, I did. I yeah. have a, a guy sent me a book from a book tour, and Tim Partners in Crime does a great tour, and so does Isabella Blackthorne because they deal with horror, and they're, they're really good, too. But well, feel free they sent me a book. I won't tell you the name of it. It was 700 pages. And usually 700 pages will take me maybe two and a half hours, not even. This took me four days. Oh, wow. Well, you're a speed, but yeah. you are a speed reader. You're a speed reader. Yes, There's but I speeded yeah. it. I, couldn't even, I didn't even want to finish the book. And yeah. I have to interview this person next month. And I had to be very creative with the book review. And I had to be even more creative with the questions because when I tried to figure out, I figured out what he was talking about. I go like, "You got to be kidding me!" I mean, sometimes I just say, "Should like, he have made? Oh should God. they have made a series out of it? Would it have been better to do three books?" Mm, he would have been better if he didn't write the whole thing at all. Oh, okay. I, I emailed okay. the person in charge and I said, "You're lucky I'm a nice person because this is really not great." And then there was a second one that came right after. And I go. If that wasn't bad, this one's worse. 
Oh no! Yeah. Usually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> usually, partners in crime sends me the the best ones, but obviously, they the people that run it didn't read these two. And I said, if you're really smart, you're going to read them because you're, they're going to get some. First of all, when I looked to see how many people were on their tour, like maybe when they had six, and I and my interview and my review was number seven and eight. They didn't have anybody. Really, not that oh, much. Dear. Well, you have Lee Matthew Goldberg that's on there. He's got God knows how many, but he's got me, the lucky person. And sometimes I just get, you know, you know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was mad because I interviewed Philip Margolin, and I love him, and he killed off a main character, so I yelled at him when I interviewed him. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how do you do that to this person? This was so, the book was great. But I said, I had to get a box of tissues in the third chapter. How could you do that? <laughs> He said, well, I thought it was getting boring. I said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> See, that's the, that, what, we, we were talking about that last week on my show. We were talking about the fact of, like, sometimes if a writer is getting bored at something, it's really yeah. not boring. It's the writer gets bored because we have looked. Nobody's going to read, like, our the, like if we read a chapter, we read it over and over and over and over. But a, a person that's reading the book, they're just going to read one, they're just going to go through it. They're not going to go over because if you start thinking about all the times that you get bored of your own things, this is what could happen if you because you're reading it so much. You know, a reader's never going to read something ten times. You know, well, there's no, they're just going to go through it. There's that when you're writing a book, it's really hard. I mean, I've run into this a couple of times myself. It's really hard when you're trying to pace it. To think, yeah. well, you know, is, is there enough action going on to to keep the reader interested to the next chapter, for instance? Um, yeah. Maybe there's That's, not yeah. enough going on in this scene or that scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that is what happens. And sometimes the writer, you know, but not always write about that because sometimes it's just the writer getting bored. It's not the per, it's not really the book because the book could run smooth and but the writer gets bored, which is never a good thing when you're reading your own no. work, you know. I always that's believe the that the, if the writer got, if, 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 in my personal opinion, um, and I do this the same thing with Dark Creatures if it ever happens, if I ever get bored of writing Dark Creatures, it, I'll end the series, and I'll start something new. I won't keep, yeah. even if it's a best-selling, you know, series down the line, five years down the line, whatever, yeah. Unless, my, of course, if I have an agent, he tells me I can't, <laughs> which I've heard happen. Right, right, right. And they're paying you for um, it, right. But which which right. also is the other thing that isn't always good. Because sometimes, you know, the larger publishing companies give you money for, like, to write five books, mm-hmm. you know, and but after the third, you're sick of it. This is not always good. Because the other no, two may just be mediocre because you're tired of it. But they paid you already, and so you better, you know... That if yeah. you signed a contract, you're going to have five books, which is why it's good to some, a lot of respects, do independent publishing, because as much as we'd like to think that the big publishers are actually helping the people these days, they're not really helping people. Fran, you could speak to that a little. They're not really helping them with PR. No, they're doing absolutely zilt, actually. Um, I get a lot of books from Ocean View Publishing, and they love me, and they they, pub, they 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 promote their own stuff. They don't have any. There's one girl that I send the reviews to, but she doesn't do anything. No. As a matter of fact, um, Tim knows. I used the same independent publisher that he did. And to be very honest, the book came out okay, but to be honest, they didn't help me with plot or anything. They just said, this is what you need to do to fix this. This is what you need to do for that. And how would you make the plot better what would you do to make the characters stronger and then when the book came out they didn't even publicize it they put it on facebook for two minutes but they never promoted it and for that much money let me tell you i mean i was surprised the book came out okay well but i think a lot of, a I lot get, of independent publishers you know and a, um they don't do this for you they get your book ready but it better be ready because they're not going to touch it they're really, they're not. Well, they That's did, not their job. They did the actually. grammar and stuff, but then they said to yeah. me, if you want us to promote it, it'll cost you $4,000, yeah. and we'll promote oh, wow. the book. So know, yeah, they must have uh, a different a setup than when you went through them, because it didn't cost me nearly that much money at all. Yeah. And How they much did it actually... cost you to publish it? Because it cost me $3,600. Okay, yeah, that's publish the book. It. I was, I, I, that was ridiculous. Oh no! Actually, that's pretty basic these days for a lot of people. No, no, actually not. Actually not. Is it? No, no. A lot of people I've dealt with. 
Oh, that's really? a lot of money. Under, if it's over a thousand, if it's over a thousand, you're paying too much. Oh, okay. Because right. they do nothing. Yeah. Well, look at uh, when I started out with this 20 years ago. When I used to see what people were charging then, okay, then came eBooks and all of this, but they charged people ten thousand. I got clients that were that came to me after they already spent like 20 grand, okay? Yeah, and so I this is I can definitely speak to this. This is very terrible. And this is one of the reasons why I was always there to help people and I still am if they need help or where to go because you you can get a publisher that makes you actually believe that you need to spend $15,000 and they do nothing. I know people that have came to me after spending 15 grand and they didn't even get a copy of the book. So basically what you need is you need an editor, you need someone to do the cover, and you need someone to make sure that it works, which is the editor, some do content, some don't. And then a publisher puts it on, like let's say Fidelis, she puts it on, she puts it together and then puts it on Smashwords or whatever, but the book has to be in good order where it's, you know, it's edited already mm-hmm. and you can come with a cover, you can do whatever you want, but it is not $3,600. <laughs> and so you have to look around. And the trouble is there are so many people out there that are charging over-the-top prices. And You're right, right? That it's not It's not right. It's wrong. Well, my last book because they should at least give you some PR. It, if they're yeah. going to charge you, they should do PR. They're not doing PR. They did. They did nothing. But my tradition, my my sister's too a traditional publisher. I won't say who it is. And they did nothing. The book was edited perfectly by their editor, and they, with the cover is beautiful. The person was not very helpful. Uh, they put in the timeline, and I didn't need it there. And they had absolutely nothing to promote the book. Nothing. But. A lot of them, they tell you that. So if they tell you they're not going to promote the book, they mean they didn't tell they're me. not going to promote the book. And no, they didn't it would be nice if that. they it had programs where they can send people. But that's why I tell people if they have an issue, if they want people to do teasers for them, banners, I can send them places that are not a lot of money because you're the mm. publisher that publishes the book is not going to do that for you. It's not going to happen. And so no, you that's to, why you, you have, have to, to read. The, you don't have to do most of the marketing and, and yeah. stuff yourself. I, I, I yes. 100% agree with you. And even some of the in the big-time publishers, they don't do that much because, you know, a lot of the very successful publishers, if you look them up, they don't have as much PR on them as you think. You know, um, there's some people that have a tremendous amount of PR because they've done it themselves. You know, and there's a couple writers from which Fran knows who they are, and they are constantly out there. They yeah. are constantly promoting themselves, being on shows, being really nice to other writers. They 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 do very well, but they also PR and they have websites that puts them their traffic right to Amazon or whatever, and then that's it. But a lot of these people should not be in business because thirty six hundred dollars is way over the top. It just is. Yeah, I got nothing. caught you, off guard on that. I got seriously caught off guard on that. But, you know, you that. just have to He's, read the contracts. But there are I people did, and out I said there. To him, I said to him, I don't want to, you know, do this, but they read the book, and they and they had the, all the, the editor and the copy editor. I said, so what? But why am I paying you to do this? What are you going to do for me? And the, the guy said, well, we're going to promote it, blah, blah, blah. Then, I don't know about you, Tim, but when I got the thing last week for royalties, I said, there's no way that that number is right. Because I went on Amazon to see how many books were sold, and it was like 30, and they're telling me it was only three. See, this is the thing. This is the problem. With I think that people feel that, you know, it is very hard to sell books, okay? And even if you're with a huge publisher, then they give you an advance. You have to sell that many books in order Once your whatever they gave you is paid up and they they're satisfied with that, then you get the profits. Otherwise, they gave you a check. A lot of the writers and that's it for until you sell more, and which is a lot of people. There's not as many outlets to 
for people to go now because of COVID. They can't. They're not doing signings at Barnes and Noble. They're not doing signings in any a lot of bookstores. Maybe they're starting a little, but not basically. And and now they're starting conferences. But then there are people coming back from conferences that are sick because I see it online. They go like, Oh, I just was at a conference, and then guess what? I got COVID. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, so I think this is an issue. There's a lot of issues now. So I think people that are listening today, if you're looking for an independent publisher to help you, just make sure on the price and what they're going to give you because it, it that's a lot of money, $3,600. Well, that, that it was, is, that because there's a ton of people out there now that can help. You know, I've used one publisher the entire time, Big Fidelity. I've worked with her, but she does not do any of my editing or anything like that. And I've won awards on covers she's helped me with, but no, she does not do... PR and so it, there are people out there that just do PR that you can sign up and they'll help you. Because yeah, well, Mike, I did. I asked for people that did PR. You have no idea the prices that some of them want. I mean, and I yes, deal with the that, publishers. I did. I deal yeah. with them from every single publishing company in the world. And, yeah, and one particular one not, just sent me yeah. the saddest book in the world, and I said to her, "How much would you charge me?" But, you know, after I review all your books, she charges over $2,000 a month. Just yeah, a PR. some do. And her books yeah. don't go anywhere. Not that I've you got to be careful. I know people you have to be um, very careful. Who, who, who self-published. I know one person who self-published his own book who gave a PR company four grand, and he got Oh, I know. That's not, yeah. And, I tell, and that's no really one. one of the things I tell people constantly on this show. Do not. I don't talk about it as much as we used to because... You know, a lot of people, they just go to people and, and they just pay too much. But you really have to work out some kind of plan. You know, there are people out there that can help you for a lot less money. And some of the some of the PR firms that are expensive are very good. But, you know, um, and some are not. So you really have to check it out, make sure what they're giving you. But mostly an independent publisher should just be able to put your book out there and then you can hire other people. But And you can get the books because once they put it on, you can buy the books from Amazon yourself. You know, Amazon gives publishers a price, but they also give the person. So if you are publishing in the Amazon program, you get a good price for the books. Everything has changed, and if you don't get the books from Amazon a lot of times, then um, they say your book is going to be, you can get the book three weeks later, a month later, it's not in stock. I mean, there's so many things that authors have to know, and even if you know a lot of things, and I've done this for a lot of years, you still always are learning, because it's, this is, talk about a game, this this is a game. <laughs> this is a big game, and it really can be serious for a lot of people because if you pay twenty grand and get nothing, it's insane. And people oh, I would do. Never, they do. Yeah, I would never put that kind of money out for it. But people have, and and it's terrible. A lot of those people are gone, but a lot of them aren't gone. They're still out there. You have to be really careful about that because they promise you everything, and they don't give you anything. And sometimes you don't even get a good book at all. Tell me about it. Yeah, well, (laughs) right. I'm not mentioning any. I don't mention any names, but there are several out there, and and they're bad. So you really need to check them out because they really – I have seen books that should never be allowed to be out that way, and they've charged people a ton of money. And it's very sad because people put their hard-earned money because they're going to think they're going to make a lot of money, and they don't. Mm. They've spent a lot, but they haven't. There's they another haven't thing it. that people people should writers, new writers should be real, really try to be really realistic about is they're not going to be Stephen King right out of the gate. <laughs> right. So sad. Right, and, and you know, uh, unfortunately now people, you know, you real uh, most of the people that have been on lately, we all know the same thing. We're not a lot of people are not selling a ton of books. So you either have to like this and hope, you know, and keep writing. Mm-hmm. The more you yeah. write, the better it gets. And, you know, Fran, you've had a lot of authors on the show that said after their first five, six books, then they became successful. So don't quit. Just well, keep we, going. we love Vincent Zandri, who teaches me, you know, whatever. Vincent told me that before I get my next horror book done, he, he'll let him read it, and then he'll tell me who to ask to publish it. 
because he knows all this stuff. The thing so about I'll Vincent Zandri is, if people, if you're on YouTube, He's a machine. go into <laughs> find Vincent Zandri, and he gives yeah. so much information, and he gives yeah. writers, he he helps you get through the ups and downs. Because he's a very successful author who mm-hmm. makes a living from it, but he also knows a lot of people, a lot of things that can happen, and you just have to move on. And so I know if I get into, like I'm going like, oh, you know, some days you go like, oh, what am I doing all this for? And then you listen to his YouTubes, and you go, this is why I'm writing. You can't care about this. You shouldn't care about that. He's very open and honest. Oh, he's and amazing. I love having him on the show because I think people can learn from him. He's a really good writer, but he also is knows that people need to not pay attention to some of the things that go on that can hurt a public, uh, hurt a person from writing again. Because some people, you have to still go on, even though you get a bad review, they don't know mm-hmm. you. Something and you just got to keep working at it. it it's a oh, yeah. it's a, like you know it takes time. But try not to. If you have a question, people can always email me, and I'm happy to answer them because I know what goes on. And it's really I I don't do agenting anymore. I I've had tons of and I couldn't get them any place because they're they quit and most of them. And I try to tell people now. And Fran knows this too. A lot of people that were writing, they're gone now. They're they're just mm-hmm. gone. They stopped writing, and that's so sad. They're gone, and they were good writers, a lot of them. They just you can't, don't write. You now. can't care what people think. You have to. My, I think my 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 aunt said it to me a long time ago before she died. Write about what you know, and if people don't like it, too bad. Write and stick by what you think, and that right. that that's an important point. I mean, I I wrote my name is Bertha. <laughs> it was hilarious, and <laughs> I got a review. This true story. And there's a very famous guy reviewed the book, and he said, the only problem I have, and this was edited by the publishing company and everything, my sister, before she died, edited the book. My mother-in-law is an editor. I wish she was here. And the book was perfectly fine. When I sent the book to the book company, somehow they screwed up my editing. And they didn't get well, the can final copy. Happen. Right. Yeah, that's a, that and, is and, a problem. Yeah. And I said to the, to the uh, guy, I said, what was the matter? He was a really famous reviewer. He said, the book was right, great, but there were some grammar errors. I said, oh, shucks, Bertha did it. She was only 10. I'm really sorry right. that she <laughs> right. didn't write it right. And he gave me, and, and for that he gave me five stars because he said I had the guts to tell him I didn't do it. Right. It was the kid. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Because, you know, right. And, yeah, and that's wrong. Somebody, you know, it is just so wrong when people do that. You know, uh, I used to try to... Yeah, but I used to try to tell people that were my clients to keep going on, and I, I have to say that so many of them were really, really good, and it, it was a shame. They just don't write. I, we, I did mostly screenplays, but a lot of them were, they also wrote books, and they were really good, but they just couldn't take it. And so, yeah, I had another, you know, uh, I had so another. Tim, how do, you get, how do you get through those days that oh. some days you go, I'm tired of this? Um, I've actually taken friends. Um, I've got to the point or the age, I should say. <laughs> I've actually taken friends' advice and said, um, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's right. exactly right. Because his actually, books are very actually, scary and you have to read them, but you need to keep the lights on, otherwise, you're going to get really scared. <laughs> and I and Tim, write, are you going to write a sequel to this? I just have to get my, you know, make sure that my blood pressure is down that day. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, um, The Grand Games number two, um, as I said, I'm writing number three right now. It's Dark Creatures, World's Unending. Oh, the, I, I, love the t- I love the first one. The, fir- this one, oh, the second one was compli- more complicated, but it was good. But I love the two characters in the first one, and that's all I'm going to say, because you have to but read so, it. You know, when you write complicated, <laughs> you know, there's nothing really wrong with writing complicated. You just have to clarify it, you know, if, but, you know, because sometimes... You know, there are people that really like that type of writing where they don't, they can't figure things out. You know, that's so you know, sad. It used to, it, it, but it used to be where people would, you know, give you some time to write. You know, you have a beginning, middle, and end. The problem is now, if the first couple of pages don't give them what they want, they put it down, and that is so unfair. Well, that's why I try to when I, when I pace my books, I try to pace them to nowadays readers. Um, 
Um, for instance, yeah. I know I had, I had a friend of mine who loved to read Hemingway, for instance, and he's a great writer, but he's a he's a slow build. He's a very yeah. slow build, and the, and today's audience gets bored with him after the first two, ca- two yeah. chapters, yeah. even before the first two chapters. You really got to grab someone. Yeah, yeah, you really got to grab someone and run with them through the entire book. Yeah. If you if 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 you don't get a quarter of the way through the book before they start. Before you start to slow the plot down, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. See, but that's what's really sad, though, because it actually, it, it, you know, there's really nothing wrong with uh, making it a little slower to go in so the person gets involved with it, you know. And even now with TV, they if the, in a series, you can't just watch the first one because it's they're just establishing the characters. Then when you go on to the second and third, sometimes you go, oh, yeah, now I get it. You know, because you can't always get everything in the first chapter or first series of a a show or first chapter of a book. Sometimes you do have to establish it so it doesn't get confusing. Certainly when you're writing, you know, horror and dark, because it takes you a while to get to what you need to do so people get into it. You want people in your story to get involved. You don't want them yeah, I, to like yawn. I tend to think that people who but who write for TV, though, um, even though they have to write the script, well, they don't have to write them quite as fast as they used to. But even though they have to, they have an, a leg up on writers, simply because, um, say, the first episode isn't got a lot of engaging points going on in it, they can put atmosphere in it, and the atmosphere yeah, might yeah. carry you through. Yeah. Um, writers, um, when when you're trying to grab someone in the first chapter, they got to put all that atmosphere in without the music and then the background right. noises of the. <laughs> um, no, that's true. Good. No, it is true. But you know, but sometimes that's why a lot of writers will write the whole book and then they change the first chapter when they know exactly oh. what's going to happen through. You know, sometimes maybe they need to change them. the first line. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you know, or you know, I've been, I've been listening to the, I like audiobooks. So I've been listening to some where they have like an epilogue and a prologue that mm-hmm. sometimes it, to me I like that. And I think that a lot of people say, "Oh, you don't want a prologue, you don't want an epilogue." But oh. in some of the audiobooks that I've been listening to, they give that. And so some of the parts that you they put like let's say it's a series by when you get to read the second one they add a little in between where you know where you left off and so then they start fresh but you also kind of resolve what had happened in the first book so people might be able to read the second book without the first that reminds yeah. me if you guys don't mind me changing subjects for just a short moment no. Uh, sure. Especially you, friend. I don't know, Marcia. Did you get a chance to read the entire book that I sent you? Or, Not yet. Or you were... Not though. I started. Okay. It. Okay. Um, then, Fran, yes, uh, did you like? Did you like the songs? What? Did you oh, like yeah. the songs they put in the book? Yes. But I'm okay. not going to tell anybody what it's because you have to read it. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that they worked. And the, and the book is someplace on my. You have to see my table. I have well, Fran is Fran is Fran's job. She's a reviewer and she's a speed reader. I am not a speed reader. I am not. <laughs> well, it's a good thing and because I there are 55 a, books on this table that I read. And already. I keep telling Fran constantly when we talk, could you listen to one audio book so you could see no. how it is? I like audio books. I love them. You know, for me, no, I gotta I gotta have the book to scribble in and destroy. And by the way, Tim. I, um, you're coming on in September, and my right. I I have my my dermatologist called me last month. As a matter of fact, they reminded me today because I forgot to bring them books. I can't come into the office without thirty bucks for the doctor's wife. <laughs> I'm serious. So anybody that's on my desk, you're coming in on September to Dr. Mermelstein. He's going to love me for this too, and he's getting yours too, by the way. So oh, okay, that's good. The way <laughs> See, for me, I, I just much prefer audiobooks. And I think, you know, the good thing about audiobooks for people out there that are listening is that, you know, a lot of times that's when people go, oh, they didn't put a comma. Oh, they messed up this mm-hmm. chapter. In an audiobook, you don't care. You're just listening. It's very Yeah, the different. only problem... I'm trying to get an audio book done for the grand game, and the only problem I'm running into right at the moment is pronunciation of of the of the character names. Um, uh, I'm trying to get them to to um, to be able to pronounce pronounce them correctly. <laughs> well, right, did you did you go? Uh, did you get your audio? Are you getting it through ACX? 
No, right now I'm just talking to Atmosphere again just to see if they couldn't set it up that way. All right, but, let me just um, say one thing. Mm-hmm. ACX is through, Aud- is through Amazon. It's a company. It's Audible. Now, Audible, they, you, they don't charge you, and you go, it's a 50-50, uh, the narrator and you get 50-50, and you put your book on ACX, and then the narrators come to find you, and they audition for you, and then if you make a deal with them, Amazon handles the entire thing, and you take a 50-50 deal with no money. You only get, the, you only get whatever the book sells. And they mm-hmm. split it, and you never have to the the narrator and you do not share expenses. Am Audible is takes care of everything. Well, send me the link on it. I'll be interested to look into it. Well, ACX is from yeah. It's ACX oh. is Audible. You know how you see all the commercials, Audible. That's it. That's the and but mm. your book has to be on Amazon, which your mm, book it is. is. So and I'm trying to convince Fran to do that too because it's 50, you don't have to pay. It's fifty fifty. You could some people pay the narrators, but most people do fifty fifty. And you don't have to pay anything, nothing. I I will definitely look at it. All my books are in audio, and they are, and it's a it's a great program that they have. It really is, and they give you free codes, and you can send people codes so they listen. As I said, I will definitely look into it. Yeah, I think that's good. You know, there are a lot of things. If you ever need anything, just feel free to ask me. I'm more than happy to help you. So, all right, Fran, where can everybody find you? Right here on my chair. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Okay. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo. um, Just about anywhere that there isn't anybody that that, that I'm there. You just Google me and you'll find me. Uh, If you Google Fran Lewis, you'll see that I'm on, on MJ Network. And you'll see that I'm a reviewer on Just Reviews, but my books are on Amazon, Atmosphere Press, um, Barnes and Noble, Kobo Books, and Books a Million. And a lot of a lot of them, you'll be surprised, Tim. They're in they're in China and Japan and India and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Amazon is everywhere, right? Everywhere, yeah. They really, you know, if you look for your books, you'll find them everywhere. That's what happens. They, yeah. they, you know, they are everywhere. You know, the, there is a problem that sometimes I'm not sure who gets what because they're on in different places. We don't even know. That's an issue. So, Tim, is there anything you wanted to say before you give your, uh, you know, where they could find you? Is there anything you wanted to talk about before we close? Um, I just want to make sure that people realize that yeah, I'm not going through a traditional publisher. I'm actually self-publishing myself, so every book that you buy helps me out, helps me get the next one out. <laughs> I, I would appreciate it. Nothing goes to uh, to anybody else besides me. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's the thing. It's called, you know, I, I prefer independently publishing because I think people get the wrong idea about self-publishing because there are some really good books that are independently published. And um, so I think people, you know, Sometimes they just think self-published isn't what it, you know, because they go revert back to the way they thought it was before. You, like, glue the book together and paste it oh. or something, and you know. And so I think if you, it's, it's a, they're independently published books. And, you know, I think most people that read books, they don't really care who the publisher is. They just want a good story. I think that's what they want, you know. You just have to keep getting yourself out there. It's, it's yeah. difficult. It's name best. recognition. You know, it's hard. It's yeah, it's all right, so where can they find you? Where are they so find you? So you can find me on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, um, Independent Book uh, Club, um, uh, public libraries are carrying me. Um, you oh, they are. That's everywhere. great. So that how nice. did you get your books in the public library? What did you do? I actually talked to them personally. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. No, that no, that's good because you know it's good that they're talking to people. To Not put up their books. I have um, I have a book signing with them in October. With the public library in Wisconsin, which is where I, I'm based, so yeah, that is nice. They won't do that. Yeah, up here. Did, you know, yeah, Chicago. You're in New York, and I'm in Chicago. There, it's a little more difficult at these places. They, they just, they really have to change their thinking, and I think they will eventually, because they're missing the boat. You know, they're really missing a lot of good books. I mean, Fran, you have a lot of people that are independently published that they're really good authors. So I, know. I think that. You know, I think they have to just get over the fact that they're not from the six big six publishers. They're still well. You know something? If the six publishers were doing that well, they wouldn't constantly ask me if I would read all their books because obviously, (laughs) uh, yeah, and obviously, (laughs) 
I, I get them even when I don't know what I'm getting. I mean, like, right. you sent that? I didn't know I was getting that author. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. And I'm very <laughs> excited because I'm getting James Patterson this week, too. I didn't know yeah. I was getting that either. Yeah, he right. wrote well, his autobiography. He's, listen, he's a very big promoter. He he goes in with a lot of separate people people to write yeah, books. Yeah, he does. And they, they're very good at promoting, so that puts him there, and they have his name on it. So, I mean, yeah, well, they were very upset because now. they wanted him to do an interview with me, and the author, the publisher said, this book is not exactly doing exactly great. If you go on French show, it might do better. Oh, well, so, so, so sad. The book really wasn't that great, to be honest. <laughs> but I, I'm wondering, you know, I think they have to get over that, you know, and I think that they, yeah. you know, I think when they go on shows with people that are authors and give them an hour time, they'll get a lot of PR. That's right. Because Blog Talk is very busy. Blog Talk has thousands of shows, and people don't realize that. But that's, we, that's why, you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's why I've been trying to approach my uh, my sales through Blog Talk. I've been t- I try to talk to a lot of Blog Talkers. Unfortunately, it's really hard to find shows uh, that just just you know wish to interview you. <laughs> well, you know, well, I I just don't know, you know, because. Uh, Fran and I both started in the same way. We interview authors because we are authors. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm an author, an agent, and a screenwriter. So, I mean, I can talk about everything. And Fran is a reviewer. So she's got all these people that write books. So, I mean, this is what we do, you know, and we understand authors, which is, I think, a lot of times they don't understand authors or they give them 10 minutes. And set, you they know, don't understand and the book either. That's even no. better. No, mm. and that's true, and that's true. So, and they, you know, most of the people, a lot of people on my shows and friends, we've been doing this for so many years that we have repeat guests because we've had so many mm-hmm. years. And I mean, oh, yes, I, I've, I've, I've been on your Fran and I started about show. the same time. Fran and I, I don't started about remember the same anymore. Time. <laughs> yeah, you know, we did. That's how we met on Red River. We, st- we, you know, it's a long time ago, and then we all now are our own separate. You know, we have our own separate shows. But this is what we do, you know, and we have, we talk to authors, and we talk to, to them about their lives also without getting into their personal lives. No, they don't. Because, you know, that's really not but, what we do either. But I do, I do want to thank you, Marcia, for having me on your show. Oh, you're thank welcome. You, thank you for coming on. for having me on yours in September. <laughs> yes. This was fun. And, right, Fran, it's good to hear you talk about your own books and your own feelings. I'm and trying to get pretty soon there'll be another face behind to, the stone. I'm trying to get you to write a comedy. To write it. You think yeah. I can get you to write a comedy? No, I don't know. No, <laughs> that would kill my sense of humor completely. No. Uh-uh. Which, which I have a warm sense of humor, and, and and that would really kill it. No, but I am writing another Faces <laughs> Behind the Stone. I wrote three and a half stories. That's all I'm going to give away. Mm-hmm. And I did start right. the next um, Tilly and Bertha whatever. And if I ever get five minutes from not reading, I'll get it done. I hope. Which which reminds me that um, if you're reading Dark Creatures, my series, um, whether it be um, the simple game, the grand game, or the new one I'm working on, it is dark fantasy, but you'll also find that I do enter some humor into the book, so it's not completely horribly depressing. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> right. You don't, Otherwise, you don't want to scare them off. Yeah, I think that this is the thing. This is why, you know, for me, having people that write dark fiction and horror, I mean, this this is a big genre, sci-fi. These are huge genres now. They are. And they're not going anywhere either. They're staying. I hope so, because they're I'm the not game. going anywhere. <laughs> no, they're in the game. And this, as I said before, is the game. All right, so thank you so much for being on the show. And we'll talk to you soon. Good luck on your book. Okay? Thank Good you. Good luck. You're welcome. Bye. Brand, keep writing. I'll talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.